The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, the killer girlfriend murder trial of Ezra McCandless has come to a dramatic close with a guilty verdict. We'll break down what happened and then dig into the shocking developments in the retrial of NFL star turned convicted rapist Kellen Winslow II. This is the Court TV podcast with Vinny Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Court TV Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Vinny Politan. I'm a former prosecutor sitting across from... Yeah, that's the way I say it. Sitting across from me is, is Seema Iyer. She also was on the good side for a while before she went to the dark and side. And I was in the Bronx, babe. Yeah, you were a Bronx prosecutor, which is Jenny not from easy. the block. Which is not easy. Oh, so great. You know, I have to say, the Bronx DA's office... Best job of my life. I love Court TV. It is a delight and pleasure to look at your face every day. But being a Bronx district attorney, I was so proud. I loved the community. I loved being a DA. Right. But then but then you became a criminal defense attorney. Err. And and, and, and and so is the case. And that's why I think on this show, on this yes. podcast, you get a good perspective. Because I, I still see the world as a prosecutor. Do you really with everything? Everything. That's the way I now, see everything. I find you to be quite fair. Fair. In many circumstances. I don't think you're completely with the prosecution. There's no. a lot of cases that we've covered where you uh, you know, side with the defense or you see that perhaps the prosecution have made errors in their right. case. Right, because yeah. I'm a true prosecutor. I'm a seeker of the truth and justice, which is what prosecutors are supposed to do, and I hold them up to that standard, and when they don't meet that standard, I attack. You attack. I okay. attack them, like Nifong in, yeah. the, in the in the uh, Duke LaRape case. Remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, listen, last week we promised our listeners that we would talk about the killer girlfriend on the stand and we're going to talk about it because she was riveting. I just could not stop listening and analyzing every word that came out of Ezra McCandless's mouth. Let's take a listen to Ezra on direct examination. What happens when, well, you decided to name the groin. Did you actually do it? Yes. What happens then? He reacts and he drops the knife at that point. When he drops the knife, what do you do? Instantly, I grab the knife and I have, I've used my arm to pull myself into the footwell. And that's when it, that's when everything really starts to happen. When she says everything starts to happen, what she means, that's when I murder him. Well, she left that part out. Yeah. Okay. But, Stabbed oh, wait, him 16 but times. Here's my problem with her from the, from the jump. Of her testimony. Why doesn't she sound upset, emotional, angry, something? Give me something. But she is just, it is like she's reading a script. It, it is. And it's something that I think she's rehearsed in her mind and prepared for. Um, here's the thing. She is claiming that she had to kill another human being to save her own life. This had to be the most dramatic, most... Um, horrifying sure, day yeah. of her entire life. Absolutely. And it it just didn't play out that way. 
It did not play out that way on the stand. I didn't believe it. I didn't sense it. And I've seen a lot of testimony from a lot of defendants. The person she reminds me most of was Jody Arias. That's right. That's right. A Detached lot of people have been saying that. Everybody's been saying that completely outside of their own skin. And I've seen women in court testify about such things, about being attacked and having to fight back. And usually before their testimony even starts, they just start falling. They are shaking. There is something. This woman was cool as a cucumber. Now, okay, some some good things about Ezra McCandless is that she is clearly very bright. She was very respectful of both sides. She answered the questions uh, yeah, good bone I think that's structure. Good oh, bone structure great. is very the, the good. Makeup was well applied. The makeup was great. And, and our and, makeup and hair team even endorsed right. her makeup. It was well, great. That was a big part of the case. She made her a motion makeup. before the judge to for have eyeshadow. Right, for the eyeshadow. For the makeup, which I don't think helps her. It looked like she looked fine, but ultimately it did not make her out to be. Uh, what she was alleging she was, which was a victim. Right. I don't want to see lip gloss. I, I want to see crying. I want to see fear. I want to see all of that. Now, on... Take me to the moment in your testimony. This is the worst day of your life. You you need to take me there for me to believe you because so much of the physical evidence and the fact that you've lied in the past um, is contrary to me believing you. So you want me to believe you. Tell me a story that sounds real. And at some point, you expected her to maybe break. She was on the stand for hours. I think the direct was at least a few hours. The cross was a few hours. I think the cross spilled over to the next day. Right. So you would think that at some point, the tears and the emotion and the exhaustion and the and the fear and the remorse even for the loss of life and the looking at Alex Woodward's family, something would set in and it never did. And even on cross, she remained cool. Let's listen to some of Ezra on cross. You didn't tell law enforcement that your car was back stuck on that mud road or that farm road, correct? Yes. You didn't tell the law enforcement officers that first got there that you had just stabbed Alex Woodworth a number of times, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, and you didn't tell Mr. Wayne, the paramedic, that there was this other person that was lying there with a bunch of stab wounds in him, did you? No. Right. Didn't tell him that maybe Alex was dead or dying there or needed help, did you? No. So she answers the questions, but what's underneath that question, Vinny? Underneath that question is testimony from experts that Alex Woodworth could have been alive for up to 30 minutes after she left him. Also keep in mind, it was five to eight minutes from the crime scene to Don Sipple's house where she went, and that's walking or maybe walking fast. So there was time to go to Don Sipple's house, call 911, get someone to save Alex Woodward's life. Then he could be alive. He could be in the hospital. They could do something called a hospital arraignment, and they can arrest his ass for attacking her, if that was true. Right. Or she could have told um, Mr. Sipple that, listen, I just escaped from this horrible attack. You need to call police. You need to protect me. Do you have a gun? Do you have anything? Because this guy may be following me here and maybe uh, trying to finish me off. And, and, and none of that plays out either. No, no, none of it. And it's just, it's still, as it's a story here, that evolved. 
evolved. And that's what we keep hearing. Like her story evolved. Like she had memories that somehow well, they didn't were come repressed. out. To, they they were, were like locked in a yeah, box. They were locked in a and box. You need a key to open it. Yeah. yeah and the key Nobody is had the key. The key is a murder trial. And 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 then now you've got to change your story. Here's the problem that I have with her and a lot of other criminal defendants at trial is that their memories change and evolve but every they change and evolve the memories get better for their defendant isn't, and worse for the prosecution isn't that convenient every single time i want one of these repressed memories to come back that actually oh oh my goodness that makes me look more guilty i better repress that again i better re-repress it it never happens the memory always gets better and and that's why you've got to take a huge grain of salt when you listen to the testimony of someone whose story has changed for the better you know, I think some of the value that we bring to not only Court TV, but this podcast is that we have seen so much. We've seen so many defendants testify. Uh, we've handled so many cases. And I think people sometimes don't even believe me, but I really think I have a sixth sense for when someone's telling the truth on the stand. And there are clients I have, like the minute they start talking, I think, oh, geez. Oh, it's not good. He's lying. Not he's good. not telling the truth. And I'm screwed. Uh, and there's something. Ha this is interesting, actually. You know about this. The whole narrative thing, right? So if, if you're a criminal defense attorney and you know your client is getting up there to lie, your option is to just say, uh, you know, what's your name? John Doe. And do you have something to say to the jury? And then you just leave it open and you just stand there. Right, because you cannot... Um allow your you client to, perjury, yeah. to knowingly perjure right. him or herself. Right, right. And sometimes that's what you do. But the thing with Ezra is when she was talking to the cops, and you remember there was that moment where she said Alex was outside the car, and then the cop said to her, no, he was found inside the car. In her hesitation, I could feel she realized that she screwed up. And she realized it was like a self-check that was happening with Ezra. And that translated to Ezra on the stand. She didn't do a great job, but did it reflect in the verdict? Well, I believe so. I mean, ultimately, when a criminal defendant testifies, uh, the nature of the trial changes to a certain extent, especially in a self-defense case. Do they or don't they believe Ezra McCandless? Well, that was reflected in the verdict, and we're going to talk about that next. Was justice served? Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. The most dramatic moment on television is the verdict in a murder trial. Yes. It absolutely is. And that's what we do at Court TV. Another reason to watch us on Court TV, not just listen to our podcast. But in the Ezra McCandless case, it was really incredibly dramatic, the moment, because it's a self-defense case. She testified. She right. told her story. Did the jury believe her? Did they not? This was a, a trial that took 13 days of testimony. Yeah. 13 days was it over 500 exhibits, over 50 witnesses, so much for this jury to consider. I was expecting a long deliberation. So was I. And the night the verdict came in was a crazy night 
here at Court TV. It was a crazy night. It absolutely was. But they came back in for this verdict in, in just over three hours, which to me was surprising, was shocking. Take a listen. Mr. McCandless, please rise. We, the jury, find the defendant, Ezra J. McCandless, guilty of first-degree intentional homicide as charged in the information. And the answer to the special verdict question is yes. Use the dangerous weapon. And you may be seated. Wow. And, and here's the part of that verdict that, that stood out to me. Because our cameras were on her. And you right. can see all this on CourtTV.com where it's posted. I saw her physically starting to shake and quiver. I thought she was going to go down. I thought she was going to lose it and Good. just faint. I wish she friggin' fell down and fainted. But, okay, wait. Before we go, we have to just let our listeners into what happened before the verdict was read. And that was this jury note that, so this was what? It was during, you were, your I'm show, on the air. I'm on the you're air. You're on the air past your your ending time, right? Because you usually end at 9 p.m. Eastern. Right. And it was like after 9 p.m. And there was a, a note. And the note said they wanted to watch another video, right? It was a video or an audio or something. They, so, wanted, the, they wanted the testimony read back. And the judge said, okay, it's going to take a couple of hours. Maybe oh, I we'll... thought it was a video. Okay. No, no. It was going to be a read back. Oh, a read back. Okay. So it was going to take a couple of hours for all of this. Well, okay. So for this the video a... and the read back because right. they wanted the transcript as okay. well. Okay. So you're on the air. I'm in my office, um, you know, like having caffeine intravenously put through my veins so I could stay up just in case I had to be on the television and makeup cracking away. And then I hear, oh, the note read back and, you know, it's going to take two hours. I'm like, great. I'm packing up my belongings, ready to go home. And then there's a verdict. Right. So and I'm knocking on my door. I get on the set. There's a verdict. OK, this is my problem, Vinny. What, what happened? What happens well, this between ha someone no, but wanting this... two hours of reback right. to, oh, you know what? Let's just find her. Well, G, the, the judge went now. to go tell the jury that it was going to take a couple of hours. And the question was, do you want to do it tonight or do you want to come back tomorrow, which was a Saturday? Yeah. So now the jury has the choice. Okay, if we want this read back, we stay another two hours on Friday night or we come back on Saturday morning. And sometimes that's enough to convince the jury but to take that's another vote. Sad. That to me is sad. Listen, do I think she is guilty of murder one? A hundred percent. I always thought that. But what bothers me is that someone wanted more information. They didn't get the information in a timely fashion. And then if, instead of a compromise, let's say second degree murder or a reckless homicide, something less than the first degree murder, they're just like, you know what? No, I'm good. We're going to go with the murder one. I got to go home because well, my kid has a softball game tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. Some lawyers get very frustrated because you can't control the way a jury deliberates. And that's the way our system's set up. They set the rules. They do it however they Let me want. Tell you something. A jury can go Let in there. Me what? Tell you something. What? This defense team is going to appeal central based on that issue. Sure. I think there is some issue there with the jury wanting something and then perhaps, you know, this undue pressure of, oh, you got to come back on a Saturday. The, it wasn't pressure. It was we can do it now. We no, can it was do like it a later. Threat. It was like it's a, not threat. a threat. Oh, not... yeah. Oh, you, listen, you and I are the only people who want to be on at work on a Saturday. They don't want to be doing that. So it was an underlying threat. I've seen this so many times where a juror sends or a jury sends out a note. And before they get the answer, they send out another note saying we've reached a verdict. You know, the time when all of the all the lawyers are trying to figure out how to respond to a note. 
the jury continues their deliberations. So maybe somebody said something that was, oh, I didn't think of that, and it was persuasive. I, you, I you always presume the worst of our jurors. I why presume is, the Why worst do you hate people. these people? I hate all people. Have, why, you, have we met? <laughs> why do you not trust our jurors? I don't, these are I don't ordinary like, people. I don't like people. Doing their civic I, I duty. Mean, I really... It's the foundation of our system. You, you know me. You know I, I like don't get along with others. But these are ju- okay. these so are wait, real people. Go back, go back, because you did a very nice description of Ezra's convulsing and shaking. Yeah, and I thought I thought she was going to lose it at that point. And what does that tell me? That tells me she finally realized what she did. Nope. And what it means. Nope. Nope. She's just upset that she's going to jail. She's upset she got caught. She doesn't need realization. She has no remorse. She showed nothing on the stand. Listen, let's just say, just give me a second. If I give you a second, you take about <laughs> two thirds of the show listen, already. Listen, if let's just say Alex Woodworth did attack her, okay? And still, you and I know this. The family members aren't responsible for the bad actions of their loved one, right? So still, when she's testifying, she could have looked out into that audience and shown some compassion for Alex Woodward's mom or the grandma that they, I I still believe they pulled her from central casting because she was just so perfect grandma. So that's my point. Go. Well, my point is, is that this was someone who now realized what was going to happen to her. So I think we're actually in agreement on this point, is that at the moment of the verdict, it's all now clicking that I'm not going home. I'm not going back to Racy's Coffee Shop. <gasps> Did she? I am not back into this crazy world where we just think about things and we don't actually do anything. No, <laughs> now she's going to do something. She's going to do time. You know, the whole defense here was based upon, uh, it was like a combination of BDSM and PTSD, yeah, which yeah, resulted in what? Of- G-U-I-L-T-Y. <laughs> That's what it resulted in. Bunch of malaki. Uh, do you think, because you know what, I think you were saying that to me on the set. When we were waiting for the verdict to come in, you whispered to me something like, oh my God, I think she thought she'd be at Racy's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> she did. Why wouldn't they? You know, she's able to convince all oh these men God. to to be with her and to and to um uh, you you know be with her despite being friends. Sexually, with, yes. Yeah. She convinced like her 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 boyfriend's friend to sleep with her, <laughs> and and the, and the friend's friend to sleep with, her. And, and it's oh, yeah. so I I felt like at some point she she believed that she had some sort of control over people because she sort of she did was like that black widow seductress murderess. Yeah, she can make these men pretty much, or boys, whatever you want to call them, they're young men, do whatever they wanted her to do. Right, absolutely. And and she controlled them, but you cannot control a jury, ultimately. You just cannot do it. That's why she ended up being found guilty, now facing life in prison. But she may have an opportunity for parole, perhaps. And she's so young, right? She's only like 22 years old. So, so, hey, the good news is, uh, Ezra McCandless may get out, still a relatively young woman. How's that good news? Because she'll get a chance to go back to Racy's, reacquaint herself with uh, Jason Mengel, and um, have a lot more sex. That's always good news. Okay? Now, coming up, we have to talk about the stunning turn of events in California versus Kellen Winslow II, the NFL star. That's next.
For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Kellen Winslow II, all set to start his retrial. The NFL star, uh, Vinny, what did he, what was his position? He was a tight end. And he wasn't just any tight end. No, no, this was, a, he was the real deal. It was like real the, deal. a first round draft pick of the Cleveland Browns, earned over $40 million during his career. Incredible uh, genes because his father was a Hall yes. of Fame tight end. Kellen Winslow II, though, won a national championship at the U. You know which school that is? The University U. of Miami. That's correct, at the University of Miami. And he was the real deal. I mean, he was he had some injuries that uh, hampered his career a little bit, but did make all pro one year. Okay, so our entire Corey TV field team, they're in the courtroom. We're on set, ready to start the retrial. Retrial, opening statements, set to begin in the morning. Delay, 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 delay. We think it's going to happen in the afternoon, right? It's going to happen all of a sudden, more delay, and then... He wants to plead guilty. It's unbelievable because unreal. He's accused of being a serial sex offender. You know, five different women victimized by this guy, and and all of them saying he did. You know, various different acts, right. everything from rape to sodomy to lewd behavior to sexual battery, all of it. And um, we are expecting him to go to trial because he has money and he. He just could not admit that he did anything wrong. Oh, no. In a million years, I never thought he was going to admit. Now, in the first trial, there were five Jane Doe's. Three were uh, rape type of accusations, felony accusations involving sex assault. And then one was an indecent exposure. And another Jane Doe was a uh, lewd conduct. Now, the misdemeanors, the Jane Doe 3 and 5. Jane Doe 3, which was the indecent exposure, Winslow was found guilty of in the first trial. She was going to testify or testimony about her was going to come in. The conviction certainly would have hurt him. Jane Doe 5, which was the lewd conduct accusation, that was out. That was severed. So the retrial was focusing on three Jane Doe's, all accusing Winslow of various degrees of sexual assaults, all felonies, serious cases, facing life in prison, right? Absolutely. One of, one of the cases is, is from 2003 when he was uh, actually at the University of Miami, but it happened in his hometown in San Diego. And the other two were much more recent and involved women who were a little bit older right. than Kellen Winslow II. Okay, so now, facing life in prison, which is why what this plea deal was, was so shocking. Take a listen understand that the sentencing range would be a low a low term the lowest possible term you could get is 12 years with a maximum possible term of 18 years and you would present your evidence to the court mr owens would do the same and then i would make a decision as to what the appropriate sentence would be but it would be no less than 12 years and no more than 18 years is that your understanding of the plea agreement yes your honor and i i pray to god that you give me 12 and I can go home to my family as soon as possible, Your Honor. Well, keep praying, buddy, because the range is 12 to 18. 
I don't personally think he's going to get 12. Uh, just to catch up the listeners, he pled guilty to two counts in part of this deal. One was rape of an unconscious person. This was respect to Jane Doe number four, which was an accusation from 2003. And then he also pled guilty to the added charge of sexual battery. Now, sometimes what they do, folks, is they add charges so they can take a plea. So they just basically added that charge. The, the thing about this plea hearing is what it turned into. Yeah was he was the most reluctant, guilty Oof. pleader of all time, if that's even a word. This guy did not want to admit anything and had so much difficulty. And then you just look at look at his, what he, he didn't even look like himself. His eyes are blinking. His skin is like, I think it was more pale than me. It's not possible. It was unreal. He looked sick. He looked confused. And... One of the key things for a guilty plea is that it's got to be knowingly, right? Knowingly. And he's he's got to be have his wits about him and understand what's going on. And, and and there were times where he seemed very confused. Yes. And very reluctant and almost as if I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to admit this. But in the end, he did. Well, there were two problems I had with Winslow's plea. One is when he said, I guess I have to. Ouch. Right. I don't think we should have gone farther from that. And then he also said, I'm not thinking clearly. That to me is call it a day, go home, because the standard is a plea to be taken must be knowing, intelligent, and voluntary. And it didn't seem voluntary. It seemed like I could basically make out a mirage of a gun being held to his head. But it wasn't. Basically, what they're saying is plead guilty or we just start the trial. Everybody was ready to go. The jury jury was was outside. The jury was outside, was selected. All day. Prosecutor had his opening statement ready to go. Everybody, everything was lined up. He's facing life in prison if he's convicted of all the charges at the retrial. This was a gift. No doubt about it. Let's listen to some more of Kellen Winslow's very laborious plea. Okay, then, uh, Mr. Winslow, let me ask you this. With respect to count six, which, is alleged, which alleges on or about between June 20th, 2003 and June 21st, 2003, you didn't unlawfully have and accomplish an act of sexual intercourse with Jane Doe, number four, a 17-year-old minor, and a person not your spouse, when the person was at the time unconscious of the nature of the act, and this was known to you, how do you plead to count six? Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. And with respect to count nine, which is an added count that alleges on or about March 17, 2018, you did unlawfully commit sexual battery against Jane Doe number one, a 50-year-old, 54-year-old woman. How do you plead to that? Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. I'm sorry? Guilty. 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 I could just guilty. feel that it doesn't, forced. That doesn't make you less guilty, Kellen. It, it, the fact that you say it really softly does not lessen the charge or the potential sentence oh, in the stop case. stop being so mean to him. He pled. All right, relax. He's now, a serial okay, sex offender. I okay, so now we... I, will now, be I, just mean. Want, I just want everyone to also understand that the Jane Doe number 2, who was part of this trial, there was one count in the first trial that he was found guilty of, and that was the forcible rape. So basically, the prosecution got justice 
for all the Jane Doe's, right? Absolutely. And and he waived his right to any appeals. And to me, that was the key to the whole thing. Okay, wait. Wait. What do you mean, wait? I'm telling you, wait. You know what? He could take this plea back. He could try. He could try. He could. He and, could. He could. He and, could. And you know what you get you when you take me. the plea back? You know what you get? You get a trial and you get life in prison. That's what you get. So, there, so there's no there's no you. great there's no great pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for Kellen Winslow II if he retracts his I guilty plea. It, but what I think it's important that we let our viewers and our listeners understand that just because someone takes a plea, it's always not a done deal. His sentencing is what February nineteenth, twenty twenty. It's a Wednesday, right. I believe. You have it marked on your calendar. You're I, I so do. weird, dude. Because he's You're being sent so away. Weird. That's right. No, are you just like at, at home? You have like this weird court TV calendar where you just mark all your cases and you look at it before you go to bed at night. Yeah, You're weird. That's You're a weird day dude. where San Diego right. will little... become a little bit safer. Oh God, drama. Okay, so my point is, on that day, who knows if he's going to try to get his plea back? And you know what? Before that day, he could be sitting in his jail cell and he goes to the law library and he's like, oh, yeah, I could do this. And so one of his jailhouse buddies is like, dude, take it back, dude, take it back. So then he's going to take his little. Who's he in prison with? Um, he's in, Spicoli he's in... <laughs> from Fast Times at Richmond High. He's still locked up. So he's going to go. Listen, I see this all the time. He's going to go and he's going to like write a little handwritten motion to take his plea back. Right. And and this is what happens if it gets taken back. Then he sits in jail waiting for his next trial date, which will take some time and he'll have no opportunity for a plea. You bring back in all the Jane Doe's and you convict him and he spends the rest of his life in prison. Oh, that's really that's, that was really a great move. I, I just count. want people to understand that even that was when his you best wave, move since his motorcycle accident. That was right, his best yeah, move. Yeah. yeah. Just when, when people wave their appellate rights there are still underlying constitutional rights that cannot be waived sure That's all, i just want to point that all out. right a point taken all right point taken but I, I believe it's over i think he understands that it's over here's the other part of this and 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 sometimes plea deals get a bad name and when i threw out um on social media you know 12 to 18 years people are outraged yeah but there are reasons why the plea deals are actually entered into there's a reason why they're offered why they're accepted and and why they keep the wheels of justice churning we're going to talk about that when we come back court tv is everywhere this is court tv your front row seat to justice with live gavel-to-gavel trial coverage. We'll bring you the most compelling trials across our nation. I am a homicidal maniac. On the air, online, in your pocket. You'll see and hear all the evidence. Can you take the hose and squeeze it? And streaming free on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. The verdict is in. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. So Kellen Winslow II takes a plea deal just moments before his trial begins. And I, I just wanted the folks at home to know, or in your car, wherever you are listening to the podcast, that this is really rare. I mean, in all my years at Court TV, first time around, second time around, this is the first case that we've ever covered, to my recollection, and I, I will swear to it, on, yeah. a, on, on, I will swear or affirm to it, okay. that a deal came 
last minute like that. Like sometimes deals are entered into, but it's not right before opening statements. Now, this all happened during my show, and you were kind enough to put on some pants and get on set with me and help me through it. And you said that to me when this was happening, that it never happened at the old court. Never TV. Happened. So I, I am surprised. I'm very surprised because to me, as a former prosecutor, criminal defense attorney, especially as a criminal defense attorney, this stuff happened all the time. Really? In New York? Yeah, I think I, I remember doing a, a trial outside of New York in a different state. Sometimes I would, you know, pro hoc vice. So you go to a different state, you get a local attorney, they sponsor you, you get to try cases. Oh, yeah, that happened to me in Virginia. And I was so upset because I love try, I used to love trying cases in different states because it's like a field trip. You know, it's like a field trip. You go into a new, new courthouse, new people. I want you to try a case uh, in the deep south. Oh, okay. It would so be like I the did... Indian version of my cousin Vinny, be my cousin Seema. Well, I <laughs> I did that. And let me tell you something. I'm not going to say where, but they were all looking at me like, what in the heck are you? What is a Seema? What is an Iyer? And they couldn't right. get past my name or my physical appearance. Did they buy your story? Yes, that case went really well. See? That would that that case went really Once well. Once again, great. trust the jury. That no, gentlemen. that that case went really well. See, I, they found me very charming. But uh, my point is that yeah, so I have seen pleas outside of New York, but in New York, you know, and and in New York, the jury pool is so large. You like hundreds of people in the audience. And some guy is doing the same thing where he's hemming and hawing and taking a plea. And then finally the jury sent out and it's excruciating. And I know, and, and this is so selfish and self-involved, but you know, you know me. But you are Seema. That is right. Hello. So I loved trying cases. Like I yeah. lived and died to try cases. So anytime a client wanted to take a plea. You're talking them out of it. I'm just like, really? We got <laughs> this far. Don't you want to try? Come on. Well, from, from my experience in New Jersey, we actually had plea cutoffs, which the oh, judges. Like timing. This, this was it. This is your last chance for a plea. If you don't, the case is going to trial. There will be no plea. The judge will not accept it. The prosecutor will not offer it. It's off the table. So that's why this was a little foreign to me, because at least where I practiced, there was a time before trial, before you chose a jury, that... Um, the plea deal was off. Now, if they wanted to just plead guilty to the charges as they were, you could do that at any moment. You could admit to all the charges, oh, you, right, but not right. get a deal. Oh, yes. Okay, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. And I think that we should kind of expound on that for everyone. Because when Vinny says plead to the charges, you're saying the top counts. Like, if you're going to plead no, to, to everything, one, whatever the indictment whatever is, the indictment is right, you admit to, to it. Right. You, you can always change your plea to right. guilty. What happened yesterday was this added charge so he wouldn't get life in prison and basically Kellen Winslow was pleading to crimes that will allow him to get less than the indictment would. So that is a deal. That right. is a, it's a plea deal. bargain. Right. So why does this system even exist? It, it exists because if it didn't, um, our entire criminal justice system would come to a grinding halt. I mean, from my experience in the prosecutor's office, I would say 90% or more of the cases were worked out through plea negotiations. Really? Absolutely. I think in New York, I don't know, I think it was more like 70%, 75 90% really? of the cases. Huh. 90%. And and the reason being, but, there's still a backlog because you don't have enough uh, 
you don't have enough judges. You don't have enough courtrooms. You don't have enough public defenders. Well, yeah, you know that's the case in New York, too, very much. In, right. In the Bronx, it takes years sometimes. For so the, if there uh, weren't plea bargains, yeah. you wouldn't be able to prosecute people because everyone would-, would God invo- forbid. No, but if every criminal defendant got together and said, none of us are going to take a deal. Yeah. It would back up the system. Everyone is entitled to a speedy trial. Sure. You wouldn't be able to get these cases to right. a speedy trial, and then they would make motions and get charges dismissed. Left and right. Yeah, left and right. Okay, I, but I'm telling you, I can't go through what I went through again when he took a plea. It's too much for me. My cardiac arrest level, I can't do it. I, you know, I'm, I, I wrote an article. I wrote an article. Kellen Winslow the That's, second. I wrote an article all about you. My whole weekend, Pinot Noir, Skinny Pop, writing about Kellen Winslow the second. And then what do you do to me, buddy? You take a plea. It's over. Well, I look at it this way. I don't I, like that. I, I, the victims in this case, five victims yes. now, all, all serious. Yeah, I'm all being serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. They all yeah. they all get a slice of of justice. Sure. They 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 get a conviction based upon their allegations. And they get some closure, not closure, closure, but closure to the their exposure to the criminal justice system. They don't have to come to court. They don't have to relive that moment in a very public way uh, through testimony. They don't have to be cross-examined. So from that perspective, uh, it's good. It's 12 to 18, though. He's getting out. So so yeah. to me, that's that's an issue because I believe he's a, he's a potential danger. You know, you make a really great point, per usual. And that is the re-traumatization of victims. You know, uh, another case that we're covering is the Weinstein case, you know, and that trial is set to begin in January. And, you know, we've been doing a bunch of interviews and all that. And some of the women I speak to on the phone just to say, hey, you know, this is me and can we sit down and talk? A lot of times, you know, this idea of talking about an incident again is so like physically revolting to them that they just can't. I mean, they're they're really nice. They want to help. They want to help, you know, other women. They want to expose this. But it's that idea of saying the story again. And, you know, some actually uh, of these victims, you know, they will almost say the event without actually talking about the assault part, Right. The, the real the actual, details of what yeah, happened. Yeah, they won't. They, they'll say to me, listen, I'll Too sit painful. down. Yeah, I'll sit down and I'll say it happened in this um, location, in this city. You know, he was here, I was there, but they can't go there again. And this is a perfect example of like, these women, you know, Jane Doe number one, Jane Doe number two, Jane Doe number four, all accusations of sexual assault. Now they don't have to say it again. Right. And and that's another reason why a prosecutor will take that into consideration in determining what type of deal he will offer or accept if, if a counteroffer is made by the defense in trying to resolve a case and and minimize the damage. But like in this case, in most cases, the prosecution, especially in a, in a sexual assault case or a murder case, yeah. will consult with the victims and the victim's family just to to gauge how they're feeling about everything. And while they have no control over what a prosecutor can do or what a prosecutor can offer, uh, certainly good prosecutors will listen and, and take that into account when determining what type of offer, what type of resolution to have in a case that obviously has traumatized either a victim or a victim's family. I just want to say one more thing about Kellen Winslow's plea, because there's so many people when it was happening, they were just saying, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything. It's so long. It was so back and forth. I've seen 
I've seen it so many times. And a lot of our guests who come on Corey TV, lawyers, uh, prosecutors, defense attorneys, they were saying the same thing. They were like, it's like any given Monday in the courthouse. Yeah. It happens all the time. All the time. And uh, folks, by the way, if you like what we're talking about here, you can watch us on television. We're on the television. Every single day of the week. And we're actually available for free if you have a digital antenna. Oh, but here if we you go. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. If you have one of these digital antennas and you've had it for a while, you need to rescan it because Court TV is relatively new. The relaunch of Court TV is new. So we've only been in the airwaves for a while. So we may be new to where you live in your market. So if you rescan your antenna, you can most likely be able to watch us. Wouldn't that be thrilling? That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, thank you, Seema, for, for coming in today. This was wonderful. And, uh, you know, we have so many big trials, big stories coming up. Check us out, CourtTV.com. Download the app. Rescan, baby. Rescan. Absolutely. See you next time. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.